You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. Tannehill steps and fires, and it's intercepted. It's Marcus Peters who makes the play for the Ravens. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hot Like a Raven. Got to bring the excitement back. It's week one, and we are pumped to be talking about Ravens football, to be talking about the first week of the NFL season. We've been sort of circling it for weeks, for months, hinting at the possibility of NFL football, been watching preseason games on Saturday nights, and it's finally time for the real thing. It is week one, and we are here to bring it for you. I am Antonio Barbera, and I am joined by my two co-hosts, starting with Tim Horsey. Tim, are you as jacked up as I am? I was going to say, I thought I couldn't be more jacked up, and then I hear the famous Antonio Barbera intro to Pod Like a Raven, where it's Pod Like a Raven, and goes, goes off into the distance, and now I am exponentially more excited to talk about Ravens football with you, my friend. Let's, let's go. Let's have a day. It's going to be great. And on the West Coast, much closer to Vegas at the current moment than, than Tim and I, that's Jace Evans. Jace, there's so much heat out there are uh, you feeling the heat of first of all outside and of week one in the nfl oh it's fantastic antonio it's the mo- it's the most glorious time of year it's the season we look forward to more than any other it starts thursday then we got more on sunday and the the, the big show monday night i couldn't be more excited i i don't think i've been as excited uh, for an NFL season for a really long time. You know, you look at the college games this past weekend, stadiums filling back up across America, you know, let's do it at the next level. Let's do it with the big boys. So uh, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, uh, I could be more fired up for this NFL season. I was going to save this tidbit for the actual Raiders preview, but I can't. I'm just, I'm going to say it right now. All three of us 
will be in Las Vegas for the game on week uh, on Monday. We will try to get some some pictures to you. We will try to get some sights and sounds of the game while we're there. We're going to talk more specifics about what it is we'll be doing uh, for that game on, on Monday as we get further into this episode. But for now, before we get into the official Week 1 preview, got a couple of roster things to, to talk about as the final cuts were made in the past week. Guys, surprising players who were kept, maybe some surprising guys who were cut, uh, some made it through waivers, others did not. So we're going to talk all about that. And I'm going to start with uh, just sort of pat ourselves on the back here because we talked about this for a few minutes last week and it was the decision to keep two quarterbacks on this current roster. And that's what the Ravens did for the first time in a couple of seasons. They let Trace McSorley go through waivers. He made it through waivers and he is now on the Ravens practice squad and it is Lamar and Tyler Huntley to start the season Guys, other names that stood out to you, things, you know, guys that you hope are going to make it that did, or some surprising cuts that uh, that you want to talk about for this final 53-man roster? The, the, the number one most surprising one, actually, to me, uh, and he's not a player that comes up a lot on this show, and, uh, you know, I don't think he'll make or break the Ravens season one way or the other, and to be clear, I think he will be back. But Anthony Levine, not just immediately, you know, being on the 53-man roster, that that raised an, some eyebrows. A man famously called co-cap for his, his continual uh, Ravens captaincy, you know, kind of like the, the, the non-specialist anchor of the special teams unit, Anthony Levine, been on the Ravens since they won the Super Bowl, uh, been on the Ravens a very long time. Now he is back on the practice squad, and given some of the injuries, I... Um, imagine he'll be elevated, uh, to some role, um, by probably, we'll probably see him in week one, but just him merely being released at all kind of surprised me to be honest. But the one that made me, I don't want to say feel worst, but probably most confused or surprised by was, uh, Ben Mason, uh, getting waived by the Ravens on cut down. He was there, you know, a fifth round pick this year, their final pick in this draft, um, and it's just not something that happens a lot for the Ravens that they, they release a rookie they drafted, especially one, you know, not even a seventh round pick, sixth round pick, this is a fifth round pick, you know, it's not an early round, but still not, there were several, several, uh, uh, guys, nearly a hundred guys selected after him <laughs> in this draft. And so to, to just outright release him, it's not something that you see from the Ravens a lot. And of course, he was claimed by the New England Patriots, which, much like Sean Wade, is another "What do they see that we didn't see?" Uh, for me, but um, you know, it was kind of in hindsight, a pick didn't make that much sense when you have a Pat Ricard, and I think that's kind of what it shuffled down to. But he was probably the name that I was most surprised to see get released because it's just not a move the Ravens, you know, do a lot of. There, there is a lot to that too, Jace. Where. I don't want to get into the Twitter discourse of Ravens Twitter, where when Ben Mason got cut, it was a, a backup fullback got cut, and everybody wanted to lose their mind, which, to me, doesn't make any sense. Although, it's the reactionary version of you know living on Twitter, as I have it pulled up here on my tweet deck with seven different columns going at, at all times, and addicted to social media, what have you. So people just get engrossed in whatever little soundbite or whatever little story they can um, as it comes across. I think it is interesting, one, because, as you mentioned, the Ravens do not do this. Uh, from Jeff Zarebeck's piece in The Athletic, Mason became the earliest Ravens draft pick to be cut at the end of his first training camp 
since Tennessee State offensive lineman Robert Myers. Remember him? I don't. A fifth-round pick in 2015 who was released at the end of his first camp, just like Ben Mason. Um, If you want to spin it positively, I honestly think it kind of shows the Ravens' depth. I think they had a ton of really difficult decisions here. I think in an ideal world, we all know, and we said it, if you want to go back and listen to our draft reaction podcast that we did here a couple months ago after the Ravens' uh, draft, Mason was picked to be Pat Ricard's replacement in about a year. When Ricard's contract is up, get another big old dude that loves to block and has got some decent hands. We'll just we'll turn this over. The fact of the matter is the Ravens are so deep that they don't have the call it luxury, but maybe, you know, it's actually more of a positive that he got cut in a, in a weird way. They have so much depth everywhere else. They don't have they can't afford to just keep a backup fullback because they'd have so much talent they don't want to get rid of. So I thought that was interesting, too. I think it got completely blown up um, by the people who reacted to this stuff in the moment, which is fine. That's kind of what happens. That's the discourse for me. The other thing, too, the 2019 draft class. Jalen Ferguson, sack daddy Jalen Ferguson, the guys who were came in as rookies for our inaugural year here of Pod Like a Raven. By the way, we just celebrated our second birthday, which is always nice to see. Um, and Miles Boykin, two guys who made the team. And made the team, obviously, Pernell McPhee got cut, got re-signed with roster construction and how things go. But Jalen Ferguson straight up made this football team, as did Miles Boykin, as did Justice Hill, a guy who I know Antonio is usually the master of transitions here at Pod Like a Raven, has torn his Achilles. And now the Ravens are working out a number of running backs, including one Le'Veon Bell, uh, to possibly be the RB3 on this football team. So those are my takeaways. I guess we can kind of get into what you guys think about Justice Hill now as well. But, um, yeah, for me, pretty surprising to see some of these guys kept. And then the Mason thing, like I said, is more just about squad depth than anything else. And the last note on Mason, it seemed to me he was drafted a year too early. If you're going to... try to replace a fullback that who you don't really want to pay any money at all. I am confident that, unfortunately, they will let Ricard go this season if he wants any sort of big deal. And then they will draft a Ben Mason in the next draft, and then he will just fill the role. So it's sort of an odd move to try to keep him for, for an extra season. And, and there he goes. As for Justice Hill, Tim, oh, oh boy. Down to two running backs now. Uh, one we've only seen ever really play in the preseason, not a lot of depth here. I don't know what to think about Le'Veon Bell in a Ravens uniform. Uh, Devonta Freeman, I one of, at the one of them will get signed, right? They will have to add another running back here uh, at some point in time. Jace, of these names that have sort of floated out, well, whew, which one would you like to see? Which one's the best fit for this team? Is it somebody else that they uh, they haven't uh, worked out yet? Todd Gurley is a name that gets sort of thrown out there seemingly every three days in uh, in Baltimore land? Yeah, Gurley, I'm sure he'll, he'll, yeah, in in the wake of this news, he's already been connected. He was born in Maryland and grew up partly in Baltimore, I believe. Baltimore kid, let's go. um, Yeah, so he'll be connected, but the three guys they did uh, bring in, yeah, to work out, as you mentioned, Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman, uh, Two, I guess you could say, stars, Le'Veon Bell more so. Um, and then the other was Elijah Holyfield. Um, 
who is Evander Holyfield's son, if you did not know, um, <laughs> the heavyweight boxing great. Uh, he his uh, Elijah Holyfield uh, was a running back at Georgia, um, so he's a younger guy. Um, his last season there was in 2018. So if they pick up a guy, I imagine it will probably be more in someone in like the Elijah Holyfield mold, where it's kind of a younger guy you take a chance on. I'm with you. Bizarre to even try to envision Le'Veon Bell in a Ravens uniform. I don't really think it would work. You know, this is a guy who was complaining heavily about how Andy Reid used him uh, during a season, and I think in which they won the Super Bowl. Was he on that team? So uh, I can't remember if that was that year or last year, but I don't know. Andy, Everyone seems to like Andy Reid, and Le'Veon Bell's the one guy who didn't like Andy Reid. So I, I don't know that I want that on the Ravens necessarily for my, my third RB. I'm intrigued marginally by Devonta Freeman. You know, he's had some good seasons, but it's, you know, we, we talk about Justice Hill. It, 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 the, the third running back isn't going to be necessarily what makes or breaks this Ravens season, but... It just it just doesn't bode well. <laughs> this is two season-ending injuries to your running backs before the season even begins. Like that's just that's just an ominous an ominous start, a tough start. And um, yeah, I mean it, it impacts in that now, as you said, there's two running backs. Like that's a problem. So they need to bring someone else in. I just it's hard to feel great about any solution <laughs> to this you know quote unquote problem. Yeah, I think I'll the see. thing. Oh, sorry, Antonio. I was going to say, I think the thing that's interesting for me is that the one thing that we know Justice Hill did well was special teams and pass pro. We don't need to talk about special teams. There are smarter people that you can listen to, including John Harbaugh, about who's good on that side of the field and who's not. For me, pass pro, I think, is a big thing. Justice Hill got a lot of third and medium, third and long snaps when they needed an extra blocker inside. Who is going to be that guy? Is it? Is it Gus Edwards? Can he improve that aspect of his game? Is it something? Is that an aspect of Tyson Williams' game that we just don't know about? Or do they find a guy like a Devontae Freeman or Holyfield, whoever it is, who maybe kind of fills that role? Because clearly, like Jay said, running back three ain't getting a ton of carries. It's about the other things they can bring to that offense. So I'm interested to see if that is something that, you know... If that's the area they look for in terms of who they bring in, and, and by the way, yeah, you're right, Jace. It's not going to be Le'Veon Bell. If uh, if Gus Edwards is healthy the whole season, is he going to rush for 1,500 yards? Slam the over, gonna... baby. Slam the over. <laughs> in in the first season after a very modest contract extension, like what a perfect Ravens scenario that would be if a guy making five million dollars this season rushes for 1,500 yards out of necessity. Uh, what about the defensive backs? Jace, you said, uh, noted on the uh, little uh, spreadsheet that we work on here before, the outline that we work on before the ep- uh, our episodes here, 11 defensive backs on this team. They're going to be on the field, on special teams, uh, on the sidelines, running onto the field after they beat the Titans in the playoffs. So, uh, so many roles for these 11 guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, the Ravens obviously love defensive backs. John Harbaugh, a defensive backs coach for a time in his uh his, his prior head to his head coaching uh, career. Um, this was a funny tweet I saw. Uh, this was right around cutdown day uh, via Jeff Zerebic. Uh, Don, Don Wink Martindale said, the Ravens are lucky he's not making the roster decisions because if he was, he'd take all the DBs and keep only two wide receivers. But they let him keep a lot of DBs because <laughs> uh, I think it just speaks to, well, two things. Um, 
A, the injuries that the Ravens always suffer at defensive back, it seems, the last few years. You know, we, we, we joke about it often, but obviously one of those 11 is Jimmy Smith, and he's already hurt uh, this year. Um, so... I, but I think it's also just the nature of where the NFL's going. They want a lot of depth because this is a passing league. And, you know, uh, it, it's um, a passing league and you can't, <laughs> you have to stop the pass and you have to have guys who can fill these roles when there's injuries. And they just, it's clear it's such really the passing game in general, because on the other side of the ball, the Ravens keep six wide receivers, which is the most I think I've ever seen them keep as well. Um, so I think it's just, you know, we live in a passing league. It's a passing day and age. And uh, the, it's clear the Ravens have put pretty much all their energies into stopping the pass, which I guess makes sense also when you consider uh, this team famously has not been able to rush the passer well <laughs> for the last couple of years. So getting more and more bodies to cover and rotate in, that can't hurt. But um, yeah, it's an eye-popping number to see that many defensive backs. That's for sure, <laughs> for sure over 10 guys. And it's a crowded, uh, a crowded meeting room, I'm sure. With all these preseason injuries that the Ravens have already dealt with, I would love a full season of Tavon Young, a full and breakout season of Tavon Young, who they have been so excited about for three years now, uh, and is healthy, week one, ready to go, and I, I hope he has a great season. The last roster thing that I want to go over here is, after the draft, I think all three of us had penciled in uh, ben Baltimore as the starting left guard for this team, mostly out of hope, really, and, and just desire for his uh, presence as a starter. But he's not really had a lot of time, a lot of reps, has a concussion. It appears Ben Powers is going to be the starting left guard. So I'm going to turn to our resident uh, in the trenches reporter here, and that's Tim Horsey. And Tim, it looks like it's Stanley, Powers, Bozeman, Zeitler, Villanueva across the line. You know, last moments before the battles begin here, final thoughts on this starting offensive line. I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> Ring endorsement. Yeah, I think... I mean, here, here's the the long and short with Ben Baltimore, that obviously we, we wanted this to happen. He's, he's a mythical creature on the offensive line. Everybody... I, I just wanted to see... And this is a reference for about four of you who love the replacements as much as me and the Horsey family does. Jumbo Fumiko, who is the right tackle for that team, who's a former sumo wrestler. And there's a shot in that movie where they, he kind of drops down into his stance and you see him and his face doesn't fit in the helmet. It's just, it is too small and, and he is overpowering the entire movie. That's Ben Baltimore to me in my, in my headcanon of where this Ravens team is going to be. Problem is, the man did not play that much in preseason, and he is a rookie. And I think because of that, you're not going to see him start in week one, as Antonio mentioned, Ben Power. Uh, yeah, Ben Powers, excuse me. I, thought, I didn't know if there was an S on the end of that or not. Showed out pretty well as a rookie. You know, there were some advanced metrics with him in terms of his running game and, and his protection and everything was checked out. Smarter people than, than myself obviously run those stats, so I don't mind it. I like, I mean, the positive is that Ronnie Stanley is playing week one and that he played in preseason and that he's ready and available 
And because of that, whoever's playing left guard next to him, you know, it's a massive boon to have him out there rather than, I don't know, Patrick McCarry, who they kept dragging out in preseason as a left tackle, which would be an absolute nightmare. So overall, the fact that I... If you look at the playoff loss to Buffalo, I'll just put it this way simply. I think every single position is on a plus. Every single position has been improved. Where, obviously, Orlando Brown Jr. was playing left tackle. Ronnie Stanley is a better left tackle than that. I think Ben Powers, Bradley Bozeman, Zeitler, and Villanueva are all improvements on what they had in that final game last season. So, optimistic, yes, but... Let's see if they can take it to a Raiders defensive line and and really boost that optimism that is more there because it's better than it was, but it's still not at the level I would like it at, if that makes sense. It's it's interesting with Powers just because he um, Harbaugh has not explicitly named him the starter, but Powers was getting all the starts <laughs> in preseason, so it seems like he's the guy. So I imagine... Um, We'll see, obviously see him trot out there week one. But I think, you know, uh, Harbaugh's kind of reticence, I guess, to um, to just outright name him the starter kind of to me says that Powers is, I don't, you don't want to say on thin ice, but I guess has like a short leash. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets beat once for a bad sack or something. And then we see Tyree Phillips trot out there. <laughs> and then later in the year, if that's not Ben Cleveland, I wouldn't be surprised if we see at least two starters in the left guard spot um, throughout the course of the, the, in the first month season. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Optimistically, I guess just this season to your point, Antonio. Yeah. It, I, it's not going to be stunning if by week three, it's uh Har- Harbaugh has a change to announce. <laughs> All right. Last thing I want to touch on for the roster and then we can, let's get to this Raiders game is, the wide receivers on this team. We mentioned Boykin making the team and then going to IR. James Prochet, guess that touchdown uh, was good enough in that Washington football team game. So he's he made this team. Talon Wallace on the team. Bate, my Rashad Bateman, obviously, he's on IR to start the season. Marquise Hollywood-Brown saying he's 100%. He is uh, wide receiver one at the moment with Sammy Watkins and Devin DuVernay. That is going to be... Uh, Boy, uh, a puzzle that needs to be put together as the season goes on. But for now, we hope that semi, uh, excuse me, that Hollywood Brown is as healthy as he says he is uh, and should be on track with Lamar Jackson. They're best friends. They've played several seasons. Um, and we'll see how that wide receiver room gets sorted out as the season continues. But let's get to week one, fellas. Ravens traveling to Sin City Monday night. Ravens are four and a half point favorites on the road in this one we love that line but let's get into the preview first first of all then i want to talk about ravens offense against this raiders defense last season raiders 24th in the league against the run we like that seventh against the pass which i was actually surprised to see they gave up 29.9 points per game not good that was third worst in the nfl so my first question for you guys the running game Let's just attack it. Can the Ravens running game pick up pick up where it left off last season? 40 carries, 200 yards, 5 yard per carry average, W by double digits. Is is that going to show up week 1 against this Raiders defense? I'm going to zig where most people zag um in terms of national media even where it's well, JK was the weapon 
and he was the guy that was going to be the X-factor difference maker. You forget that Lamar Jackson is the most talented runner on this football team. He is. I'm sorry. He is a generational running player, a, a generational talent in that aspect of his game. So he is going to do that. He is going to make a number of Raiders look foolish and make my way too heavy of a bet on the Ravens my first time betting in Las Vegas look so good Go, going in and out, breaking people's ankles, what have you. But the, the, the part that excites me the most, and we talked about it at length, so we don't have to go on too long about it in terms of the running game. I think Gus Edwards and, and Antonio, you nailed it earlier. We got him on kind of a team-friendly, for lack of a better term, deal. A guy that we thought might walk for the Ravens this offseason. We were worried about losing a guy like Gus because we know how important he is as Baltimore Ravens fans. I think the national media figures out that battering ram ain't just a battering ram that you give it to it 15 times a game. You can give it to him 25, 30 times a game, and he is going to run it down your throat over and over and over again, and he is going to make you pay. By the time you get midway through the third quarter, you're ready to go home. You want to take the ball and go home because he has hurt you mentally, physically, and spiritually the entire time. And for me, I am so excited to watch him run over this Raiders defense over and over and over. People want to pass the ball. They want 40 passes a game. They want spread offense. You know what I want? Gus Edwards in a cloud of dust for five yards, for seven yards, for four and a half, for six, for nine, for 15. Down the field we go. I mean, you could set this line at 24, not even four and a half, and I'm taking the Ravens. It's a lock. It's an absolute lock. Yeah, I I don't know. I have no faith in... uh... Our good friend John Gruden coming up with a game plan to stop uh, one Lamar Jackson. Uh, in fact, we've, we've watched a John Gruden team face Lamar Jackson, uh, and they had no answers. It was one of Lamar's great wins, first early wins of his career in 2018. He, he did it all. Um, and I, by all accounts, you know, he misses the time with COVID, but Lamar seems to be kind of firing on all cylinders as far as... Everyone said his passing's been on point um, and his running. And I'm with you, Tim. I don't know if this is a what's bothering Jace, but you listen You listen to these national media types and they they go on and on about, oh, could LeVar, like, win in the playoffs? Like, I just want to say, as a Ravens fan, I'm not upset that this team's gone 30-7 and seven with the most entertaining player to watch week in and week out every week. I'm, okay, he doesn't throw for 250 yards every week. Who cares? All he does is have the number one highlight on Sports Center, and his team wins by 21 points. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to get mad about. So I'm so excited to watch Lamar uh, in action again. You know, he's – I think – Maybe this side of Jamal Lewis, easily the the most exciting, best Ravens offensive player to watch ever. <laughs> um, so I'm just excited to get it going again. And I think they'll have success. You know, the Raiders don't do anything. I, uh, I you mentioned that number, Antonio. I think that's actually their was their the Ra- their... By the way, by the way, the Raiders don't do anything. That is the line. They do nothing. Not even well. They just do nothing. Continue. Yes. 
Well, I was going to say that that passing number you referenced, I think that was the Raiders' own passing number last year. Because uh, I, I, I'm saying that they were 26 in yards against um, against the pass. But they do have a good passing attack, which we'll, we'll get to in a moment. Um, but yeah, uh, all, all, uh, up front, in the back, not a great defense for the Raiders. And I think one, the Ravens, uh, even with all their question marks at wide receiver, you know, we mentioned they have six receivers, which seems rare for them. A lot of it is because of all the injury questions. Um, you know, Sammy Watkins misses some time uh, in camp. Hollywood misses all of camp and claims he's great now. So we'll see how that goes. But um, so I have some minor concerns with if we'll see anything different from the passing game. But I, I'm with Tim. I think they're going to just run over the Raiders. The only, the only thing I'm curious about when it comes to the Raiders, de- excuse me, Raiders defense is. Does former Terp Yannick Ngakwe, uh, how many sacks does he get? He only had three for the Ravens. Um, so he, uh, he's guaranteed to get at least one in this game. Uh, does he get to two, though? That's uh, my question. So I do want to talk about Ngakwe. Yeah, the Raiders gave up, or excuse me, got 21 sacks as a team in all of 2020. So they made it a priority to get pass rushers. They added Ngakwe. They added Solomon Thomas, who has the talent but has battled injuries here and there throughout his career. I th- I think Ngakwe gets zero sacks, Jace. I ha- I'm not really afraid of, uh, based on what we saw from him. I mean, look, no offense, like he just wasn't a good fit for No, 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 no. And by good offense. fit, I mean he didn't offense. get sacks. <laughs> offense. The guy <laughs> couldn't get after the passer. You're telling me prioritized, prioritized getting pass rushers? Yannick Ngakwe, are you kidding me? That guy had the same up and under dip move that worked, except the offensive lineman knew, I'm just going to push him into the end zone and it'll be fine. And this guy just has no other counter move to whatever he's going to do this entire time. I couldn't be less scared of Yannick Ngakwe trying to rush for the, I almost said Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders against, he's, he's lining up against Ronnie Stanley most of the time. Even if he goes up against Alejandro Villanueva, who... By midseason, I could be calling a statue, and that could be a problem. And we'll see what happens. I still could not be less worried about Yannick Ngakwe making a significant impact on Monday night against his former team. Like, it's just not going to happen. I agree. I agree with that. And with that, I have a like an over-under for you guys. I, I think the running game, and you've all, you've all said it, the running game's going to be there. The yards are going to be there. The Gus Edwards bowling people over is going to be a constant... Lamar, will he, passing, get over... I was going to make this number 250, and then I said, wait a minute, now, that even in a good week, that's not really a fair over-under. Will Lamar have 200 passing yards in this game? Because the Raiders... I apologize for that uh, inc- uh, incorrect stat. Uh, that's called, that's my first one for the, for the season three of Pod Like a Raven, officially. Uh, the Raiders also not good against the pass, so will Lamar have 200 passing yards in this game, or is it one of those... 173 in the air, 125 on the ground, uh, and a couple of touchdowns. Or do you, th- do you see the potential that this game gets so out of hand that he has the running yards and the passing yards? No, for me, quickly, Jace, before you go, it's it's the stat that you nailed right there before. It's a buck 75 in the air, a buck 25 on the ground. It's, I don't know, 22 for 28. Like everything is pretty easy, it's nothing's difficult. He's, they're not testing him at all because, again, it's the Raiders' defense. Let's not forget how <laughs> horrific they are. 
most of the time, and the Ravens walk out with an easy dub. He doesn't need the 200 yards. I am actually going to say, Antonio, that he gets 200 passing yards. And the reason has less to do with the Raiders and more to do with like two of Lamar's best passing performances in his career in terms of total yards have come in week ones. He lights up the Browns last year, 38 to six. And then famously bombs it. Not bad for a running back. Uh, his five TD game against the Miami dolphins, 59 to 10 to open the 2019 season. When a, a game in which he only had, um, yeah, he had six yards rushing in that game against the Dolphins and against the Browns last year, he opened with 45 yards rushing to 275 yards through the air. And that Miami game, he had 324 yards. So he's very good in week one passing. So I'm going to take that over. Uh, another strong Lamar game through the air. Who will catch the ball? Who knows? Mark Andrews will have 150 of those yards, but uh, you know, he'll make some nice runs, get to 200, but I say, yes, take the over. And like it. Add 75 yards on the ground. Oh, uh, I'm, I, I love Jace's enthusiasm. I'm going to go under just because we have no idea which wide receiver can actually <laughs> run a full sprint without yeah, know, that's fair. pulling up and having to go into the <laughs> sidelines. But you're right. It would be an Andrews. It would be an Andrews game. And that's how he gets over 200. But I think it's going to be mostly on the ground. Let's turn to the Ravens defense, which I am more than in the last couple of seasons, excited to see them come out week one against this Raiders offense. Boy, boy, the Raiders famously uh, got rid of multiple offensive linemen this season for unknown reasons. They traded their three-time Pro Bowl center to the Arizona Cardinals for a seventh-round draft pick. They also then got rid of their tackle Trent Brown and their guard Gabe Jackson. They've got a rookie playing right tackle out of Alabama, Alex Leatherwood. I don't know the other guys on the line. I've never heard of them. Jace maybe can teach me a little bit about these names on the offensive line. Is this going to be a disaster for them as the Ravens dial up blitz after blitz after blitz and they're not able to pick anything up? Well, the good news for them is their uh, their quarterback is famously mobile. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's a huge concern. I It was the most um, what-are-they-doing uh, of the offseason. Uh, Colton Miller, their left tackle, he was a somewhat recent first-round pick, but he hasn't, you know, lit the world on fire. Uh, Rich Incognito, back in the mix. <laughs> I don't know how he's still, still alive. <laughs> yeah, he's... Gotta be on the other side of 35 at this point. This guy's been around for a long time now. But, um, yeah, I I am not... I it, There's no reason... Their line was a strength last year, and they made it a giant question mark. And there's no way, you know, I think of all the units you have on a football field, your offensive line is the one you need to gel the most. They have to be more in sync than anyone else on the football field is your offensive line. And uh, I just do not like that turnover for them, especially with a quarterback, you know, and Derek Carr, who can be good, but is not exactly the most mobile guy, um, has been gun-shy at times for getting sacked. So, yeah, I think it's a huge problem for them. Quickly, Richie Incognito, 38 years old, (laughs) starting uh, offensive lineman. 
Yeah, I, he like he had like a season. He like retired in there. Like he was like a year away from football, and then John Gruden brought him back, and now he's their starting left guard. Like that doesn't seem like a recipe for success to me. Yeah, I, I think it is interesting because I think too. You know, we we we've done this exercise before. I'm not expecting. I think I'm with Antonio. I'm with the idea that I cannot wait to see the Ravens defense play. And we've mentioned this on pod like a Raven the past couple weeks. I'm frankly more excited to watch the defense play than I am the offense. That being said, this is one of those games where old man brain, quote unquote, when watching the Ravens, I go back and I say, look at this offensive line. Ravens will get nine sacks. Fact of the matter is that just doesn't happen in the NFL. Normally we're just spoiled watching incredibly elite defenses year after year after year. So I think if you're coming in here expecting a vintage Ravens performance, even up front, just just in general, like getting after the quarterback, I think you're more likely to see, especially in week one, you're more likely to see a performance that they're getting after Carr a little bit, but maybe three sacks, maybe four. I'm, I'm ecstatic at five, kind of put it that way, which, again, I know is a decent amount anyway. I know I'm kind of like people listening to this going well yeah you should be excited about that duh the one thing that i'm interested to see the receivers don't worry me i know we can talk about it a little bit hunter renfro henry ruggs jr um willie sneed never forget he's in oakland now or la or las vegas whichever one of those west coast teams you get it the raiders um those guys don't worry me against the best secondary in, in the national football league what does worry me a little bit is a man, a former Raven, a random Raven at some point, and that is Darren Waller, the tight end. I think he is incredibly explosive and a the best test before Travis Kelsey in week two that Patrick Queen could have as a guy who probably has to be covering him on a regular basis if it's not a safety, if it's not a Deshaun Elliott, if it's not a Chuck and Clark. Ta- and tackling him, too, after and, that. <laughs> and making the play and actually wrapping up and all those fun fundamental things that you talk about. Yeah, so that is the part where I think Derek Carr is a decent quarterback. I think he kind of gets you nowhere. I think he leaves you in no man's land um, in terms of the future of your franchise. But, hey, that's who they went with, so that's fine. Darren Waller is the piece for me that I think if this game is squirrely late and there's a big third down and 12 and he catches the 13 yard pass, it's that's, you know, the, the old sphincter is going to tighten up a little bit watching Darren Waller play towards the end of the game. If it, if it is, if the game does remain close. Yeah, and the final weapon there, the running back, Josh Jacobs, a legit tackle breaker and, and top tier running back. The dream for Las Vegas is, Jacobs for four, Jacobs for four, Darren Waller for seven. Move the chains, right? And then hopefully get Waller on something big and then play action to Henry Ruggs. That's the that's the formula there with Henry Ruggs at the like legitimate speed. What, four two guy, Chase? Four one guy? Four three eight? What did he run his foot forty? Yeah, he I mean he's a, a blazer. He 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 has crazy speed and to sort of Tim's point about uh, a warm-up for Travis Kelsey, kind of rugs uh, uh, Tyreek Hill light, I guess you could kind of say. Another sort of a good test. I I am a little, I think probably more so than you, Tim, I'm a little worried about these weapons. The Raiders put up some points last year. They scored at least 20 in all but two games last season. Um, and, you know, they, they, they finished the year um, in the top 10 in points per game at 27.1. So... I, I think there's enough weapons here. I agree with you. 
that Waller is my number one concern for the Ravens as in recent years, any mobile uh, dynamic tight end has been a, an issue. And I agree with you. He, he's so good. Like, I mean, you might try to double cover him with Patrick Queen and one of those safeties kind of shade him. Um, Cause you know, I trust will Marcus Peters get burned deep by rugs one time. It's possible, but he also might, you know, bait Derek Carr into a, a bad interception. Um, uh, and you know, Oakland guy, he might be trying to get revenge on the Raiders. Uh, our, our good friend Marcus Peters for leaving the nice city of Oakland. So, um, I, I, I have worries a little bit. I think about the offense, and then just as you mentioned, Antonio Josh Jacobs, a very solid running back. Who you know, he got a hit and rap, and I think it'll be a good test for Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison to 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 go up against a, a kind of a, a number one running back, uh, like pretty solidly their main option out of the backfield. So uh, I'm a little worried. I still think the Ravens offense is going to have too many problems, I think, for the Raiders to lose this game. Not to spoil my pick, but uh, (laughs) uh, I, yeah, I I, I am a little worried that, and obviously my concern is it could become a track meet, which obviously never kind of favors the Ravens in recent years. I have one more question for you guys about the Ravens defensively. Because I liked, Jason, that you started talking about the matchups where Henry Ruggs will probably be matched up with Peters. So then you have Marlon Humphrey. I don't want him covering Willie Sneed. I don't want him covering Hunter Renfro. I'm not concerned about those two guys. Is it possible? Does he have the phys- the size to match up with Darren Waller, specifically if, he's, if Waller's not... Uh, lined up on the line of scrimmage, if he's lined up as a wide receiver or lined up in the slot, is it possible that Humphrey takes some of those assignments? I think it's very possible. I I, I mean, from my philosophy of football, uh, admittedly not having played much, but you want your best... He Marlon Humphrey is the Ravens' best defensive player, right? And I think Darren Waller is probably the Raiders' best offensive player. So I think if if you... You know, and Marlon plays real physical, so if he can kind of jam him up at the line, like, Waller's not the most rough and tumble of the tight ends out there, uh, certainly. He's a physical freak, but he's not exactly, you know, gronk in terms of blocking and stuff. So they need to split him wide, and I think that's where you do have to try to make sure Marlon covers him, because I agree with you, uh, you know, how many four-yard catches? Hunter Renfro can only damage you so much, right? So <laughs> I'm sure this is where you hope one of their other 10 DBs can take care of Hunter Renfro. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. I think they should try to get have Humphrey kind of jam him up at the line and cover him as much as possible, if it's possible. I mean, that's and that's the big thing, too. I think it's the skill set. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's as simple as best player on best player, although that argument most of the time would work. But Humphrey is not only their best corner, he is their best slot corner, and he is their most physical corner. And that works in terms of lining up against the tight end, especially, as Jace mentioned, Darren Waller is essentially a wide receiver. He is not your George Kittle. He is not even Kelsey. He's nowhere near like a Gronk in terms of out-physically in you. He, he, has, he has the attributes and he has the physical traits that he can sort of do that stuff because he's just bigger than most corners and safeties because he is a tight end. But he's not overly physical, and Marlon Humphrey is. And I think it's something you could see. Um, you know, we already know Humphrey's going to line up in the slot a little bit just based on how the Ravens like to run their defense. 
him instead of lining up in the natural slot on a receiver, lining up more as almost an outside linebacker covering uh, Darren Waller, I could definitely see that. Turning now to uh, sort of the intangible section that we like to have here in our in our previews. My first intangible point is the question marks of which Raven is actually healthy, and we don't have a lot of information on that, specifically the wide receivers, as I touched on earlier. That's a we'll see uh, (laughs) as the game starts. What isn't a we'll see is my second intangible, and that's John Harbaugh. And I bring this up every year, and it's, I, I, I mean, this is not like a pat myself on the back, but I feel like I don't see it talked about nearly enough. And it's how good John Harbaugh is in week one. How good he is with the Ravens in week one. I am pretty sure I ran through these box scores last year. I'm going to run through them again. First of all, Jace put a note in here. Thank you. 10-3 and three overall in week one under Harbaugh, the Ravens. Pretty are. good. But, but it's not <laughs> even just the 10-3. and three. It's the scores of the week one games. I'm going to run through a couple of them. 2009, 38-24. They won by 14. 2011 against the Steelers, opening day 35-7. to One of the top 15 Ravens games of all time for us, maybe. 2012, Super Bowl season, they won 44-13. 2017, they won 20 to nothing, pitched a shutout on week one. 2018, they won 47-3. 2019 was 59-10. to And then last year was 38-6 against a Browns team that went to the playoffs and gave the Chiefs a shot, really a run, at the end of that game. Harbaugh, just he just sits there all August and comes up with the perfect game plan and then has the team execute it on week one. It will happen again. They are going to be more ready for this game than John Gruden will be. I'll talk about it in the gambling section, but it's Ravens by four and a half, and it's probably Ravens by 10 or even Ravens by 14. So I I don't know if you guys have anything to say on that. That's like what's bothering Antonio is why don't we talk more about how good John Harbaugh is on week one? (laughs) My final intangible, and, and this we can talk about, and this is maybe the most important. I mentioned it at the top. All three of your Pod Like a Raven co hosts are going to be in Las Vegas for this game. So if you need any more positive juju for how the Ravens are going to end a week one performance, it's that all three of us are going to be there. We are excited. There will be some photos taken, hopefully, of the three of us out outside somewhere with a nice background, and that's about it. Maybe a photo at the game. Maybe. But uh, I want to get a couple of minutes from you guys about how excited you are to be going to Las Vegas for this weekend. I mean, delight. Go ahead, yeah. Jace. Yeah, I, Just absolutely I'm... delighted. Uh, I'm so excited, and I'm really curious too, Antonio. Like, what the 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 atmosphere at the game will be like? Because obviously, this is the first game at Allegiant Stadium with actually uh, Raiders game at Allegiant Stadium with fans inside. They played there last year. There was no one in the building. Not even Mark Davis, the owner, refused to go, uh, he said, until fans were allowed. So um, this will be the first Raiders game with fans in their new home. And I just, I will, I'm curious, like, what the vibe will be like. Obviously, Oakland, one of the rowdiest stadiums in the NFL, the Black Hole. Does the Black Hole travel? Is there a Black Hole? My guess is no, based on what the uh, the resale value of these tickets are. I was talking to my parents this afternoon as we record, and... Uh, 
I was telling talking to them, and I, I can't imagine uh, some of these retail prices that, that if you can drop that kind of money on resale tickets, I don't think you're in uh, getting in a fight at a football game. I'll say that. But uh, so I think it'll be a little more of a, a chiller crowd than what they had in Oakland. And I think there's going to be a lot of Ravens fans there, if I had to guess, because I think this is going to be, for every team in the NFL, a big destination for NFL fans. Um, So I am curious, you know, maybe it'll be a lot of Raiders fans and I'll be completely wrong. But uh, I I think certainly it benefits the Ravens because it's, at the very least, it'll be less of a home field advantage than Oakland was. That's, That's for sure, I think. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So I, you you hit a couple things. Um, I agree overall, over the course of a 17-game season, 18 weeks, it will not be Oakland. It will not be the Black Hole. It will not be what that fan base expected. You know, Chucky's the coach again. We're back. The Raiders are back, even though he left and then beat your team in the Super Bowl. But, okay. Um <laughs> But week one, I think we might see some of that. I think we might see a little bit of, you know, we're finally going to go see our Raiders. I'm sure they're, as, as I would be if I was an Oakland fan, rather upset that they just picked my team and moved them far, far away. That makes it way less easy to go see my beloved football team. I, I would be devastated. Um, you know, never forget the Colts stole our team and our records and everything. Yeah, don't talk about that, Cleveland. But all that being said, it is also a destination game. Uh, I am pers- obviously Antonio and Jace will be in the stadium for the game. I am going for a bachelor party. Shout out Matt Atencio. Love him to death. We're finally being able to celebrate his nuptials um, because of COVID and everything that happened last year. So we are going and we are going to Vegas to watch the Ravens game, even though we're not going. As I bet fans every single week will be going to Vegas to watch their team play, whether it's in the stadium or not, just having a fun time in the casino. So I am ecstatic. Now, again, I'm going for a bachelor party, so there's a lot of this weekend that I probably won't remember or, you know, have a little bit more fun with. And those things will not be reported on at Pod Like a Raven on Instagram. That's where you can find all those photos that Antonio talked about earlier. You're not going to find any from the bachelor party. You'll find some from the game and and the lead-up and everything. Uh, And I'm sure the guys will all get together for a picture as well. But I think think week one is going to be interesting in that I think there is going to be a a heavy Raiders crowd there because it is fans are back. It is, you know, let's get the atmosphere of the stadium. Let's try and get all our, our, our group in here. But the Ravens travel a little bit more than you think. They are a smaller fan base, but the Ravens travel and I... I cannot wait to see my first guy in his purple camo shorts, uh, you know, driving around. Donnie from Dundalk hanging out and having a good old time. So I think that is going to be, uh, it's going to be ever present there in Las Vegas. And I'm excited for it. Yeah, those Southwest flights at a BWI, they're all sold out. Hey, down there, Donnie and Dundalk on out there going to Vegas, going to stay at the Planet Hollywood, go watch the Ravens beat up on the Raiders. It's going to be great. I do have a, uh, a a camo bucket hat somewhere. I should try to find and bring it out of storage. Uh, first of all, yes, please bring that. Um, I'm not sure about the stadium, the crowd at the stadium. I have a hunch, and I could be wrong, uh, but I have a hunch there's going to be more, like I'm going to see more Cowboys jerseys 
then like Derek Carr jerseys or like Aaron Rodgers jerseys will be all over the place as opposed to Ruggs Jr. jerseys. I don't know, but we will see. We will report all of it back to you when we are uh, physically and mentally able. Um, But yeah, that's the biggest intangible. So if you need it, really, you should try to bet this game now because when they figure out that all three of us are going to be in Las Vegas, that line may move just to five and a half or six. So I don't want to, I don't want to put a jinx on it or, or sway the Vegas, uh, the bookies listening too much, but I will just say the last Ravens game I attended, they, uh, they defeated the Los Angeles Rams 45 to six. So, uh, these are know. just statistics. These, this this, is, these you, are just you the use facts. them as you want. Yeah. You use them as you see fit. All right. Let's hit the random Raven. We're going to do some brief, uh, NFL action before, making a couple of picks for this week. Tim, you are up with the Random Raven, so who do you have for us this week? So before I do that, and this is, I am addicted to social media, and honestly, or at least Twitter, not Facebook, not Instagram, but Twitter. And I, thank God I am, because I am breaking some news here on Pod Like a Raven that is significant enough for us to talk about here. Per Ian Rappaport, uh, as of, yeah, we'll just say what time we're recording this tonight, 7.45 on Monday night. The Ravens and Pro Bowl tight end Mark Andrews have agreed to a terms on a substantial extension, getting a four-year deal worth $56 million. He is $14 million average per year, which is under. He is under the Kelsey Kittle, with around 15, but over the Jonu Smith level, who got around 12. Mark Andrews, four-year deal, baby. He's staying in Baltimore. Wow. Boys, because I know I'm throwing that this at you quick. I understand this. It just came across. Before you give the random Raven, we got to talk about this. What do you think about Mark Andrews getting the bag? Janu Smith, $12 million. I Pass on that, Patriots. I love this deal. I love that amount. I hope he now doesn't, like, have a, you know, back spasms week three. Because he's had the occasional uh, small injury here, here and there. But I love this amount. I love the number of years. And that's what he is. He's under Kittle and Kelsey, and he's un- immediately after them on the list, on the pecking order of tight ends in terms of talent and production. And I like it. And I like that they are making every one of these moves very conscious of the Lamar Jackson deal that they will have to make. So they have been able to make this deal work knowing, you would assume, how the Lamar money is going to factor in. So I am all in on $2 million more per year for trading Janu Smith for Mark Andrews. Real quickly, Jace, just before, I, I, I will say this comes from Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun. Mark Andrews, $14 million a year. Travis Kelsey, $14.3 million a year. Kittle, $15 million a year. So he is clearly, they're paying him as tight end three, which honestly is good for me. Yeah, I, I not to completely echo Antonio, I love, I love it. Yeah, he's a Pro Bowl tight end. Uh, who, um, as you guys have said, not quite to the Travis Kelsey, George Kittle uh, tier. But I will say there's not that many dynamic tight ends out there in the NFL. It's kind of, we've kind of hit a weird a weird point. I feel like every team used to have a great tight end, and now they don't anymore. There's, there's not that many dominant tight ends in the NFL anymore. And uh, Andrews is clearly your quarterback's favorite target. We've talked about that kind of ad nauseum. Uh, and to just lock him up and get the contract, like, this isn't going to loom over this season now. He's locked up. He's here. You know you have Mark Andrews for the next four or I guess probably five years, right? Is it? I assume it's four on top of the one he has coming up. Correct. Um, 
But, uh, so yeah, so I think it's great. And that's a contract, you know, he plays it out. That's probably the last we'll see of Mark Andrews in Baltimore. Cause he'll be close to 30 by that time or, uh, or so in the next, in five years. Um, and yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a great deal. The, you know, landing below those two other guys is great. I think for the Ravens and yeah, just locking in a key piece. I was worried they were going to lose Mark Andrews. Uh, I like Mark Andrews. He's, uh, now on track to set um, at the Ravens' touchdown record, <laughs> which he's already, I believe, fourth all-time. You love um, that. A guy who gets his first deal after his rookie deal and will now be on pace to break a franchise record. <laughs> Young franchise, touchdowns. baby. Remember, Cleveland stole everything. We didn't, or the Colts stole everything. We didn't get to keep any of our stats. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, but it's... <laughs> yeah, so... I like it. Yeah, I don't have too much to add other than I like the number. I like the uh, I like the commitment. Uh, you got Marlon Humphrey out here uh, tweeting Raven for life with the dollar bag. I just saw across the Twitter feed. It was the fir- literally the first thing I saw when I opened Twitter when uh, Tim just said this. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. And I hope this, you know, now everyone but Lamar's locked up. So that's that's the next domino, right? There's no one else. There's no one else to pay. You've paid Roddy Stanley. You've paid his number one target, Mark Andrews. Um, Humphrey. It's Lamar. You paid a Marlon Humphrey Yeah, you've as paid well. Marlon. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's Lamar. That's it's, the, that's the next deal. It's Lamar. That's all. Everything else is lined up. And now all their ducks are in a row. All they have to do is figure out a Lamar Jackson extension sometime in the next two years. <laughs> and I hope they get it done sooner than later, just so we can t- stop talking about it. But everything else is in line. Yeah, 100%. You guys nailed it. I've, clearly, Mark Andrews is so important to this team. Drops and all. I mean, we should mention, obviously, uh, there have been some issues with drops in big games. All that being said, he is still a massive part. And to lock a cornerstone piece up. Clearly, Eric DaCosta wants to lock up the cornerstone pieces. And you know what? It's his birthday, too. This contract runs through his, his year 30 in the NFL. So when he's 30 years old, he is 26 today. Uh, if, if you didn't feel old already, there you go. So great deal for them. Glad we got to break it here on Pod Like a Raven a little bit. Obviously, you're going to be listening to this, most of you, on Tuesday morning. But anyway, let's get to my random Raven. Um, here's a clue. Not, sign- not nearly as good as a pass catcher as Mark Andrews here for my random Raven. Here's your bonus clue for this guy. Number one, this Super Bowl champion spent his entire three years in Baltimore. His entire three-year career in Baltimore. Number two, he was drafted in the fourth round out of Indiana. Clue number three, he finished his career, remember, three years, with 26 catches, 428 yards, and one touchdown reception. (laughs) I think Jason knows exactly who this is already. Clue number four. He and future random raven Mike Wallace wore the same number. Oh my god. <laughs> who it is. We <laughs> haven't done this guy yet. <laughs> this guy, I was shocked because I will admit I had I had two other guys that I was like, I'm definitely gonna do this person. Had to look up our list and said, Oh, we already did them. I have to find somebody new. I just checked as I was reading out the clues here. He has not been done yet. Clue number five. It's frustrating. Here's the infamous story. This player was a favorite of Joe Flacco in the pre-draft process. Unfortunately, it seems like Smoke and Joe doesn't have an eye for wide receiver talent. 
It's my final uh, clue there. I so. think I think I'm locked in on who Holy. this is. But it seems like Antonio knows it too. If I if I if I swing and miss with who I think it is later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's just so many at this position <laughs> who have who have done exactly four hundred yards and a touchdown in like a major season for their careers as a Raven. It's just, anyway. Fantastic, Tim. We will we will go over that one at the end of the episode. And that's a really good one, I think, for the listener. That's a that's a random raven that the listener, if you want to stretch your raven's knowledge, that's a name that, that you need to know. All right, let's turn now to the rest of the NFL because it's it's a gift in a way. Uh, with the Ravens playing Monday night, Sunday is just open. We watch whatever game we want to watch on Sunday. And so I turn to you guys now. I have a couple of games circled, and I wonder... Uh, I'll, I'll name them, and then if you guys have others that you also want to talk about that you're most interested in watching uh, this weekend, the two that I picked sort of coincidentally are, are AFC North rivals. And the first one is maybe one of the marquee matchups of the weekend, Browns versus Chiefs. I think we all like the Chiefs here to win and cover, but the Browns have, I mean, if you want an opportunity to, to make an opening statement on week one that you're a legitimate Super Bowl contender... Even a you know a close game against the Chiefs sort of uh, raises your stock a little bit, and then the other game is uh, Pittsburgh against Buffalo, and I just I wrote down we're going to learn a little bit about both teams in, in this game. Is Pittsburgh underrated if they can hang with Buffalo or beat Buffalo, and are the Bills not quite uh, as much of a Super Bowl contender as we may have thought if they lose to the forty-six-year-old Ben Roethlisberger? Oh, I'm sorry. 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger? Something like that. Any other games, guys, or, or which of those two are you, are you looking forward to uh, to seeing? Uh, I mean, of the two, if I had to prefer, it would definitely have to be Chiefs-Browns. Um, just f- for a few reasons. A, I, as much as he tortures us, I do like watching Patrick Mahomes uh, when I can. It's always a, a joy to watch him play when he's not playing the Ravens. Um, just some of the passes he does. And hopefully he throws at about four touchdowns against the... Uh, uh, the, the, the Browns on, uh, on, uh, Sunday there. Um, and the other reason is because I just, I, it stresses me out to watch the Steelers. They can always win at any time and it's just so scary. <laughs> I, I, I don't like it, but, uh, the, um, uh, so of the two, definitely, um, definitely the, the, the Chiefs Browns is a little more exciting. One other game actually also during that same window. So, you know, the red zone. Is gonna get some work this weekend. Is uh, is, is the 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 Dolphins Patriots game? I think that's an interesting game. Just kind of a measuring stick game, similar to what you said about the the Bills and the um and, and the Steelers, Antonio. I think a measuring stick for those two teams in uh, will they be competing? I think for a wild card spot. Will is Mac Jones good? Right out of the gate, is Tua improved? Um, I, it'll be really interesting. I'm, I think that's a really fascinating game, too. Like I said, um, a lot of games going on. Like, Panthers-Jets is strangely compelling just with Sam Darnold's return. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a lot of things for Sunday uh, that'll, you know, this is, this is why we have Red This is why we pay for Red Zone, so we can watch it all. Take it all in. This is going to be an incredible week one. I am so excited to sit in a sports book and drink cheap beer that is way too expensive and probably have some wings that are $5 more than they need to be and just bet on football games. 
It is going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, outside of the ones you mentioned, I'm not interested in Browns, Chiefs, Chiefs by 30. The Browns suck. We'll move on. Uh, <laughs> Patriots, Dolphins, I think you nailed it. I think that is a early test. Let's see which of these teams is for real because I have a feeling one of them is, and I just can't tell which one is quite yet. Uh, in terms of the one that I really like as a neutral and, you know, as somebody who hasn't drafted his fantasy football team yet, so we'll see if either of these guys lands on his team, but as somebody who owned Derrick Henry and Kyler Murray on his fantasy team last season, Cardinals-Titans looks like it could just be a shootout because neither of those teams have a very good defense, and it's Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones versus Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, and what have you on the Cardinals offense. And I think that one could just be a fun, every time it pops up on Renzo, red zone, there's a new score. Uh, and then the other four, the other 425 game for me is Packers saints. I think the saints have a chance. We've talked about the Packers last week on our over under win totals. If you missed that, we all, excuse me, we all love the over with the Packers. We think it is set way too low, even with their difficult schedule. Uh, obviously, this game has been relocated to Jacksonville, given the, everything that has happened with Hurricane Ida, and we hope that everybody in New Orleans and the surrounding areas, obviously, is doing well and recovering and doing the best they can with all those situations that have happened. I think, though, I, I just, Packers-Saints, I know that Drew Brees isn't there anymore, but that's a marquee matchup to me, and let's see what Jameis can do. And another little fun just aside, if you didn't know this, so they were looking into places to play this game. And the New Orleans Saints decided we are going to go to Jacksonville because the ticket prices for Packers fans flying down to Florida, it is more expensive slash harder to get into Jacksonville than it was any of their other options, whether it be Dallas, what have you. So they chose Jacksonville. All for it. Home field advantage, you should have whatever you want. And if that's how far you're going to go into it, that's great. I love it. I love the gamesmanship and everything. The rumor is... And apparently, and you know, Packers, one of the bigger franchises in the NFL, there is a large contingent, a, a Packers, you know, like the Ravens roost that they have in, in, around the country. But there is a large Packers contingent who said, screw this weather in Green Bay, got old and moved down to Central Florida, <laughs> who is now going to be traveling up to Jacksonville for this game. So a little interesting note, the Saints are trying to make this a home field advantage. It might not be as much as they think if the Packers fans get a hold of those tickets and you know two great teams so I, that's one that i really uh, i'm excited to watch yeah i can't i can't believe a group of older people from wisconsin would move down to florida <laughs> right i know it's inconceivable um uh, this isn't actually on sunday antonio but i hate it i am intrigued by the season opener the dallas cowboys versus the tampa bay buccaneers mostly from dallas's side just because like dak prescott who hasn't really played, didn't play really in the preseason with a shoulder injury. It's also recovering from a gruesome ankle injury. And uh, it'll just be interesting to see what he does back. He was on a historic passing pace last year uh, when he unfortunately got hurt. So it'll be interesting to see just, you know, whether you like him or hate him, you have to say the Cowboys, at least on the field, are always compelling, even as they hover around 8-8 eight and eight at all times. But, uh... So I'm excited to see what they do, um, for sure. I expect Tampa to win, but, you know, the season opener, it's always exciting. The only year that it stunk was when the Packers and the Bears played that one game that was like 10-3 to or whatever. But I think we'll get a little more fireworks in this one, and it should be pretty exciting. Boy, football is back. 
There were you guys. We, I think we may have mentioned twelve different games. games. <laughs> they're they're all good. These are all watchable games. I am so excited about Week One in the NFL. We're gonna turn now to the gambling section. Uh, just to remind the listener, and I promise I will only say this seventeen times in the next couple weeks. Uh, I I had a sixty two percent. I tracked all the picks uh, in the two twenty 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 season. That if you had listened to me, if you had made all my wagers, you would have had a 62% win rate. So just use that as we turn to 2021 with my first three picks of the year. And the first one, I'm going to save the best one for last. So the first one is Seattle traveling to play the Indianapolis Colts. Seahawks are two and a half point favorites. Something is wrong with this line, so I'll probably get stung by it, but... I don't know who the Colts quarterback is. I don't know if he can run. I don't know if he has COVID. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's good if he's even healthy. Seattle, twelve and four last season. Russell Wilson still there. They win this game by a field goal or more. I love Seattle at minus two and a half. Then I have to do a tease, three team tease in week one, so I do. And it is the Ravens against the Raiders, the Chiefs against the Browns, and then the Packers against the Saints. Six Point tease for these three teams brings the Ravens at plus one and a half. It makes the Chiefs line even. Yes, please. And then the Packers go to plus two against the Saints. Uh, a $100 bet on that will pay out $160. So I like all of those things. And then my final pick, and it's the best pick, it's the Ravens. I'm doubling down with the Ravens at minus four and a half. They cover this line halfway through the second quarter. And I think they win this game by 14 points. And those are my three picks for week one. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just hop on the Ravens pick. We talked about it over and over again. I think the Ravens are going to blow this minus four and a half out of the water. The more I've actually, as we're ramping up for football seasons, I listen, obviously, I listen to a ton of sports podcasts, sports radio, but, you know, one could consider it a career of mine at this point, um, that... I've heard a lot of hate from the national media about the Ravens might not be as good as we thought they were, and that has made me even more optimistic, which is a terrifying thing, about this Baltimore team this season. And I think the fact that anybody thinks that John Harbaugh in week one is going to go in there in prime time and get embarrassed by John Gruden, who couldn't coach, you know, hasn't been able to coach since 2002, and you're telling me that that guy is going to beat John Harbaugh in week one in prime time? No, no, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. The Ravens by four and a half, 14 and a half, and a half, or 24 and a half. Give me whatever you want. The Ravens are going to blow the Raiders out of the water. I couldn't be more confident in this pick. Uh, a game I just referenced, Tennessee and the Cardinals. Tennessee minus three at home against the Arizona Cardinals. I think Tennessee's simply better. I think Arizona, they're in a tough division this year. I don't think I think they clearly finished bottom of a division of a division that includes the Seahawks, the Rams, and the 49ers. And I don't think Cliff Kingsbury can coach. I think that, you know, the long <laughs> and short of it there. We'll see with no Arthur Smith how Tennessee responds, but no Arthur Smith, but you add Julio Jones. I think they'll figure it out. Give me them minus three at home over the Cardinals uh, at 1 p.m. And then another team that I Definitely like way too much, and the spread was small, and so I figured, you know what? The Giants, I think, are another team that's going to be an absolute dumpster fire. I think Daniel Jones has proven time and time again that he is not an NFL quarterback, yet they keep sticking with him rather than taking a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones or somebody in a draft like this. 
And I just think even with the quarterback problems, I think everything else with Denver works. I think there's questions with the coach. I think there's obviously questions about Teddy Two Gloves. But the defense, the weapons, everything else works for Denver. And they are only a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Giants. I think they're at least five points better than that Giants team. So give me Denver. I'm picking favorites. Baltimore minus four and a half, Denver minus two and a half, Tennessee minus three. Those are my three picks this week. We used to uh, do the Joe Flacco fumble watch, uh, but Daniel Jones has kind of taken up the mantle on fumbles. And uh, I, in this game, Tim, uh, over under two fumbles for Daniel over. Jones going against over. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Over, over. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that pick. Yeah, like I just see, you know, Von Miller's back, Bradley Chubb's back. They haven't played together in a while. And the last time they did, re- they were really good. Uh, Von Miller, I mean, Von Miller's one of, you know, when he's healthy, one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. Um, and it was unfortunate he missed all of last year. So for him to be back, you know, I, I like that pick. I see I see several fumbles of Daniel Jones's future uh, this Sunday. Um, I can rip through this quick because we all kind of touched on all of my picks, actually. Ravens minus four and a half. Easy. Going to win handily. No doubt in my mind. Check back with us uh, Wednesday, <laughs> um, I believe, when our will uh, – be discussing that but um the other one i'm with you uh antonio the seahawks minus two and a half it's very confusing the um against the colts so many questions with the colts the seahawks you know they went 12 and 4 and i think you could argue they actually like improved in some ways they they brought in uh gabe jackson who we uh, mentioned the raiders jettisoned is now on the seahawks offensive line to try to uh bolster them up front um and yeah they Seahawks went 12 and four last year. They were the best team in the supposed toughest division uh, in football. So I, I like that minus two and a half. The only thing you always worry about, I guess, is West to East. But, you know, these are NFL players. These aren't college kids. And I, I worry about that a little less um, generally. And then the other one uh, that's been mentioned is the uh, the Packers minus three. Um, I, I, you know, I we talked about last week uh, on our over-unders. We think the Packers are all underrated. Um and you know, to get over that ten, those ten wins, I think this is one of their one of the first uh, of the the wins they're going to stack. Especially, you know, it would have been a hard matchup in New Orleans. I think it's significantly easier in a neutral site, regardless of how many you know, regardless of how many Packers fans are there, how many Saints fans are there. You know, I don't know how many Saints fans can make it to the Jacksonville area. Uh, are in the Jacksonville area. So I think that benefits the Packers, and I think the Packers are just a better team. They have less question marks. They have Aaron Rodgers, um, and I think they'll kind of put their their offseason stuff behind them. Uh, and, they, you know, I think they beat the Saints last year, so um, now they don't have Drew Brees. So I think they'll do it again, um, and I think um, they'll cover that minus three. So all favorites this week, normally something I don't like to do, but uh, – yeah, we're going with the Ravens, the Seahawks, and the Packers to cover their spreads. Those are our week one gambling picks. Tim, got to read this random Raven one more time, and then we're going to get out of here for our week one preview. All right, so let's refresh you all on the random Raven that I believe both of you have. Clue number one, this Super Bowl champion spent his entire career in Baltimore, his entire career lasting three seasons. Clue number two, he was drafted in the fourth round. Out of Indiana, clue number three. He finished his career with 26 catches, 428 yards, and one touchdown reception. Clue number four. He and future random Raven Mike Wallace 
wore the same number and clue number five. This player was a favorite of Joe Flacco's in the pre-draft process. Unfortunately, it seems like Smoke and Joe doesn't have an eye for talent, especially at the wide receiver position. So, yeah, I'm, but neither does the Ravens' front office, Tim. So, I that mean, is what? True. I, <laughs> that is very true. Oh, it's frustrating. Uh, the the real irony I'm sure we talked about is that the Ravens just complete walk in the wilderness at wide receiver. Was all under for the most part the two uh, the the overseership or uh, you know overseen by one of the greatest tight ends in NFL history. It makes no sense. Ozzie Newsom could not draft a wide receiver to uh, save his life, and this wide receiver uh, he drafted who didn't work. I don't know if you want me to say it, Antonio. I believe it's Tandon Doss. Yeah, the only thing I was going to add was I wrote his name in and it auto-corrected to Tendon, so that's a, that's all we really need to, to, to discuss about Tandon Doss. Yeah, you guys are correct. There's nothing yeah. else I can say. It is Tandon Doss, the the wide receiver extraordinaire out of Indiana, who every training well, camp was the guy, was your James Prochet of, look who's really lighting it up and has a really good chemistry with Joe Flacco. It's just... It's just so bleak to have him on the team three years and he catches 26 passes over three years. Yep. <laughs> has a uh, ring. Has a Super Bowl has ring. Has a ring. Uh, good for you, Tendon Doss. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's a that's a random. That might be one of my favorite random Ravens yet. When I realized who it was, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, last reminder for the listeners. The game is Monday night. Uh, we are all going to be there, so we will be recording on Tuesday, probably. Uh, and the web, but maybe we'll see when the actual recording happens. The important part in front of the curtain is that this episode will be coming out next Wednesday, two days after the Monday night game. We need a couple of days to sort of get our heads sorted, but we're we're in it now, guys. Every week, a Ravens game to discuss, one to preview, and one to recap. So. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see you two guys uh, this coming weekend. Ravens minus four and a half. Take it to the bank. Take it to M and T Bank. Take it to your other neighborhood bank, or take it to Las Vegas and hang out with my co-host Jay Evans, Tim Horsey, and myself, Antonio Barbera. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.